Hey, today's a big show with a lot of President Trump on it. Uh, I had dinner with him on Friday, did an interview. We have pieces of that interview. Also, Saturday was with him again with Bill O'Reilly, and he made some news uh, this weekend. We want to go over some of that and so much more on today's podcast. program uh i'm gonna play some audio from uh my interview with donald trump uh over the weekend uh and uh, also get into some some other things revolving uh around that uh coming up in just a few minutes also don't forget mercuryone.org uh is on the scene now uh trying to provide relief we could use your donations 100% of the money will go right to the people who are victims of uh, this hurricane. So please join our efforts at mercuryone.org. Uh, looks like Elon Musk has uh, been named by Time Magazine the person of the year. Uh, we'll get into that a little later. And Chris Cuomo has named uh, our next guest a crazy right winger, the Fox weather bitch, which... I'm sure she appreciates Janice Dean is with us now. Hi, Janice. How are you? Oh, Glenn, you could say that word on on the air. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I don't like to, but uh, I want to get his words exact. Uh, This this is another all time low for these guys. I'm not surprised, though. I think you and I have spoken throughout this year and a half that I've been trying to raise awareness and accountability for the deaths of my husband's parents who were in nursing homes. And last spring, we found out that our governor uh, forced 9,000 COVID infected patients to go into nursing homes, including my husband's parents. Uh, And so I've kind of been on a mission um, to find out why and then find out also why he hid those numbers. At least 15,000 seniors died and he was covering up the numbers by at least 50%. We now know the timeline corresponded with his $5.2 million book, celebrating himself and saying he was like the best leader in in the middle of a pandemic, winning an Emmy award, going on every major news channel to celebrate himself, including on his brother's network, uh, joking about free COVID tests that him and his family were getting while nursing homes could not test incoming patients. And early on, I heard from a few people that know this family very well. And, and they told me, watch your back. Uh, these people are vindictive. They will come after you. Uh, they will do whatever they have to do to silence you. So I'm not surprised that this information is coming out. But what I am doing is I'm filing what they call a FOIL request, uh, Freedom of Information Law here in New York, to see if I can find any paperwork, official documentation from the Cuomo administration and Chris Cuomo uh, talking about myself or my family. Mm. I think that is a very smart move. These guys are, you know, we joke that they're a mob family, but they have a lot of the mob-like attitudes and tactics. You know, the, the family is number one. They circle the wagons and they destroy anybody that gets in their way. It really seems that way. And I've talked to a few people who are kind of tallying up all the potential crimes 
that this administration has committed. There are several of them, and they might even fall under the RICO Act. Mm. I mean, this is like an organized crime family. I, I, I mean, I'm not joking about this, and I know you're not either. So do you think that, do you think that, the, that somebody is going to see jail time from all of this? A Cuomo? I think, it, I think Andrew Cuomo could possibly see jail time from this, yes. The fact that he was actively covering up nursing home deaths to benefit himself and his family, uh, that would be a crime. Wow. Also, giving out those free friends and family COVID tests to city officials using state resources to do that. Uh, while nobody could get COVID tests. Um, and then the book deal, uh, the book deal, the fact that they used government resources and turned the executive chambers into a book publishing company uh, instead of saving New York, uh, you know, instead of governing, governing, governing the people he was elected to do that for. Uh, so there are several things that are against the law, that he broke the law and should be punished for. It is it is fascinating to me to see how different states and people from those states are reacting to um, the coronavirus, where um, it is it's it's cult like it is almost cult like with the vaccines and the uh, the masking. Now it looks like we are going to have to mask up again in some states. Uh, New York is is doing that. Uh, Governor Inslee in Washington state said those who are unvaccinated are domestic terrorists. Uh, They're carrying around a time bomb in their backpack. This is insanity. When is this going to stop? That's a good question. Uh, You know, our governor here in New York has basically, you know, declared a state of emergency again, and um, she's enforced all of those rules and regulations. Um, You know, even kids the age of five and under are masking up. You know, my kids are in school every day. And yet every time I see her on television, she doesn't wear a mask. So, you know, we we see these um, government officials saying that you have to do this. But yet when they go out and and attend parties and functions, we don't see them with a mask on. It's it's quite infuriating. How do you think um, things are going to end for Fauci? I can't understand why he's still out there speaking. You know, he this weekend, he said Americans are just going to have to deal with yearly boosters because they might become necessary. Whoa. Well, but the, the media keeps putting him on television. And, you know, early on, him and Andrew Cuomo were like buddies. You know, they called each other every day. He was very, you know, he was calling Chris Cuomo every day when Chris apparently had COVID, even though, you know, he was lying to us and, and was still going out, uh, it, it, despite telling all of his viewers that he was quarantining. So I remember when um, Fauci was saying that Andrew Cuomo was doing a good job as body bags are piling outside of nursing homes. So, you know, he continues to be on television um, and people are giving him airtime. And I believe he also has a book coming out about how great he is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, Janice, thank you so much. Thanks for everything that you've done. Uh, and I hope you have a great, great holiday. Glenn, thank you. And thank you to your listeners as well for sending the prayers and, and listening to the story. You got it. Thank you. That is one woman who changed the world. She really did. She, she is, I think, the reason uh, Cuomo is out and all of this started to snowball. Would you agree with that? Yeah. If there's any one person responsible for it, it's her. I mean, I think you did a great job too. I Thank mean, you, you were, she, that. she would say, 
She would she's say. Also, I mean, yeah, she's so. You are also a big part of it. She's also the nicest person in the universe. Yeah, so, she is. Which is what's so amazing about this particular scandal with Chris Cuomo. I mean, there could not be anything more opposite of the truth than to call J- Janice Dean, uh, you know, a uh, an evil or whatever right w- right winger, crazy right winger, yeah, and obviously and the swears speak. and stuff in particular that. <laughs> particular term is just so not, not her i mean not she's her. really i mean before this cuomo thing obviously she's been well known in the media for a very long time she is a media senior meteorologist at fox news she has a, a very long and illustrious career uh, but you know she recently has come to writing these books about just people doing nice things for each other mm-hmm. and going through tough times and struggles personally and overcoming them um and what a witch right it's like the exact opposite <laughs> right. of who she is and you know this is the type of thing that chris cuomo has done for cnn he said the opposite of the truth on the air and now we apparently know off the air as well that's who chris cuomo is and what he you know what's been so for funny is they they said how bad fox news was mm. and yeah there were some problems at fox news sexual problems uh at uh, fox news I didn't see it, but I'm not a woman, and look at me. Nobody's hitting on me. Um, but uh, I know that there were problems there. The ones that are at CNN, you wonder how how arrogant, how did they ever get to a place to believe that they could behave in worse manners and still point to the other and not have a stone come through their glass wall. You know, that takes balls. Mm. You know, usually if you're doing something, you're like, and somebody else does it, you don't dogpile on that person because you don't, you know, somebody's going to go, wait a minute, what do you do? You doing anything like that? And they just dogpiled. Seems like that was the cause of all these controversies, too. They kept saying things on the air or publicly that pissed off women they had harassed Correct. over multiple or years, in right? in don lemon's case a man mm. and just they just were like okay i can't take this anymore yeah the hypocrisy i can't take it anymore by the way let me give you some good news ron DeS- ron desantis mm-hmm. has uh, released his budget and he's put eight million dollars into his budget to uh, transport illegal immigrants out of florida and uh shipping them uh right to the district of columbia and delaware <laughs> now they wouldn't uh, i, I love martha, that wasn't martha's vineyard on the list as yeah well? martha's vineyard is as well now yes. they wouldn't reject this right they, they wouldn't say we don't want them to come here would they they certainly wouldn't say something like that because they are so willing to welcome Illegal immigrants all over the country. I hope he and does other- it. I, I really hope he does it. Do you think he will? It's $8 million got to be approved by the legislature, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that it, that says it all. That would say it all. You came in with airplanes in the middle of the night. And you landed and you put all these people in here without talking to anybody. Not just the governor's office, but anyone in Florida. Nobody had a voice in saying, uh, no, we don't want the people who had just crossed here illegally. You flew them in. Fine. We don't want them. We're going we're gonna to give them to you because you are the leaders of this, Barack Obama. 
You're the leaders of this Washington, D.C. You're the leaders of this Delaware. You take them. How is the president going to say no in Delaware? How is he going to say no in Martha's Vineyard? And my temptation is to pitch it like this. Like, hey, what are you going to say? You gonna say no here, guys? Well, wait a minute. I thought that you cared so much. That's my temptation. But in reality, let's just put it as let's just take them at their word. They continually say, number one, they're not a threat in any way. There's no negative consequences from this. And number two, they're the only ones who can help them. And and we are and treating them three, terribly. And number three, if you say anything about it, you're a xenophobe. Right. So. So let's load the plane. I'm for the I'm good serious. of the illegal immigrants. You say Republican states treat them horribly and don't give them the things that they need and treat them as uh, others and all of these things that you say all the time. We're all these racist states that don't want to help these fine people get along with their lives. Well, then maybe you should take them. Maybe you're the only one who can who can handle it. So Ron DeSantis is going to be on my program on Wednesday night. He's the Wednesday night special live mm. for the full hour. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'm going to tell him, if you can't get that through the budget, I think this audience would raise $8 million to do that. Don't you? We oh. move people out of the Middle East, <laughs> you know, to safety. No we should question. move them to the safety of Martha's Vineyard. And I think we could raise that $8 million in about an hour. So if he can't get it through the uh, legislature, our audience would raise the money. And you just put it together, Ron, and we'll pay for the planes. Because I think that is uh, a really good test. Who's xenophobic? Who thinks that they're an asset to your community in all ways? Who thinks they shouldn't be... Uh, uh, they shouldn't be verified that they're not good guys or bad guys. We're just going to take the people that you dropped off in Florida. You didn't check. You didn't vet. You didn't vaccinate. And we're just going to drop them off on Martha's Vineyard. Have a good time. <laughs> that, fantastic. The Martha's Vineyard one is fantastic. They're not going to say yes to that. No, neither will Delaware. <laughs> no, probably neither will not. Delaware. You definitely won't get it there. They won't even let. They, they weren't even letting their own citizens back on those islands I during know. the COVID stuff. I know. They were like, uh, "You want only only a vacation home here? You're not allowed." <laughs> <laughs> those are the good people that mm. don't own the vacation homes. They live there year round. Those they, are the good people, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they had a. I think they had a right to say, "Oh, you're." Oh, you're only a snot from a city? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I think you if can't. you own property on one of these places, you should be able to these... visit the property. I don't know. Really? Yeah, Do I you? think so. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. that's crazy old. Oh, here he is dusting off the old <laughs> Constitution again. <laughs> this is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. I will tell you, uh, I was in town last night, I did an interview with the uh, president, uh, and he is in a very good mood. You're going to enjoy tonight. I got here last night and Bill O'Reilly invited me to have dinner uh, with him and some friends, and I uh, then got an invitation to have dinner with the president and Melania, and so I felt bad the whole time thinking of Bill at that Applebee's all by himself. 
I'm not going to uh, waste any time. This is the show everybody has been waiting for. This is the show that President Biden said, Hedumbalum shoe, parrot, popsicle. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, wait a minute. This is no joke. I would verify this is on Bill O'Reilly stationery. He asked me to say this. Here, Glenn, please say, as you know, Bill is a humble guy. No, ask him, seriously, he will tell you his best trait is his humility. And that is saying something. So, introduction is short. He is the most successful cable news anchor of all time and the best-selling non-fiction book author of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... I can't read the rest. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill O'Reilly. And we welcome Bill to the program today. Hello, Bill. How are you? Yeah, I was stunned the crowd liked you. <laughs> I was equally as stunned that they liked you. By the way, yeah, thank well, you I for... I was trying to get you in there so I wouldn't look so bad. Right. I, I, um, I want to thank you for the hospitality. Can we throw up, if you're watching on The Blaze, throw up the picture of me outside of the venue for about 20 minutes in the heat. Just wait. Do we have that? Do we don't have that? There we <laughs> there go. There is. I am. And I don't know if we have the picture of me in this luxurious dressing room. Um, it was the Panthers, uh, uh, you know, NHL team, NHL team. What do you Their call those locker rooms? Mm -hmm. Uh, there was, there was, there wasn't even a water in there for me, but I appreciate <laughs> Perfect. it. Bill. Perfect, it was, Bill. it was a great way to, you know, show me what was important and who was important. We want to keep you humble back. <laughs> so I, I want to play a couple of clips, uh, because sure. I, I think there, there was some news made. Uh, and when you first came out, you said that, you know, this is not a rally. Uh, this right. is to put things on the record. Uh, and there's a there's a couple of things. Let's play cut three here. Here's Nancy Pelosi, January 6th. I knew how large this was going to be because everyone I knew was saying, oh, we're going to be there on the 6th. We're going to be at, no matter where you went. I said, I think this is going to be really big. And I asked the secretary of defense, I said, I think you should recommend to Nancy Pelosi and to Congress, because they're the ones that control it, I would like to recommend 10,000 National Guardsmen to go and to police here, just in case. I mean, it's a massive rally. This could be over a million people. And by the way, I think it was substantially over a million people. You never hear that, but I think it was substantially. Did the DOD uh, go to Pelosi? And yeah, he did, and they, they turned. Uh, Chris Miller, who was a great guy and did a great job, he went to them, he made, I didn't do it as an order, I did it as a suggestion. Because remember, they run the police. Uh, right. Pelosi, in the district. Pelosi and Schumer run that whole so operation. So, so a lot of people don't know this, they don't like to report it. So they went there, they recommended that I had, that I said, only because I knew the size of this crowd was gonna be enormous. What you see there was, again, a very small number of people relative to the people that heard the speeches and went home. 
And I said 10,000 people. And Nancy Pelosi turned it down. Did it, you ever ask her why? Did you ever find no, out? No, I didn't ask her why. Okay. She'd, she'd give well, next me time the I talk to her, I'll ask her. It would be a good thing. Next time you talk to her, ask right. her. Anybody want to ask her why? Um, but you don't hear that. I mean, I'll bet you most of the people in this audience have never heard that before. So I recommended 10, but I said, do whatever they want. They're running the Capitol. They know what they're doing. And the Capitol Police knew about it, and she knew about it. And they turned it down because they said it didn't look good. Okay, so Bill, this answers yeah. one of one of the questions: Where was the National Guard? Uh, and the second the second question is: Why did it take so long to get anybody anybody out there? They knew. You know, it, in it's advance. even worse than that because you have this uh, committee in uh, the House um, investigating President Trump for instigating right the attack on the Capitol. So now he goes on the record and says, two days before, I wanted 10,000 guard in D.C., not only at the Capitol, but other government offices. And uh, the Pelosi would no. Now, the Washington Post has disputed that, but it looks like um, Donald Trump did exactly what he said he, he did. And, you know, you can't trust the hate Trump media at all. But this is a this just um, basically knocks out that House committee. The whole premise goes down the drain. And that was, you know, one of my goals was to get on the record um, a bunch of stuff that has never been reported to the American people. And we succeeded in doing that, but it, it wasn't an easy slog. You have another clip you want to run because I have two points I want to make, but uh, I don't want to interrupt the flow. Yeah, so let me just give you, uh, let me give you one more. Here's Trump on China and reparations. Listen to this. You think the Chinese government had anything to do with that virus? Well, I think this, I think they have to pay a price for the damage they caused to the world. I do think that. What price would they that cost, be? It's got to be a price. And by the way, they create a lot of money. I don't know that they have a lot of money, but they certainly mm. create a lot of money. Nobody has the money that we're talking We're talking about probably 50 or $60 trillion. They don't have that money. Nobody has that money. Nobody will ever have that money. The damage and the death that has been caused. So a lot of people ask me that question. I personally don't think so, but I'll tell you what they did do very badly. They didn't let the world know about it. Right. They didn't tell people to keep up your guard. They guarded China. You couldn't get out of Wuhan or you couldn't get out of the Wuhan province. They covered you know, it up. The nothing. province. Right. Well, no, they, you couldn't get into China, but you could get into Europe and you could get into the U.S. You could get it all over the world, but they wouldn't let you. So that's a thing that they're going to have to explain. And if we had the right people, they would be explaining. But they should. We talk about reparations. They should pay reparations for the damage. But they'll never do that. All right. Bill, go ahead. Yes. Well, I mean, you basically have a, uh, a situation here where you have a sitting president uh, coming in and answering very serious questions. And my task, and, and I know you saw this, is some of the people in the audience, and the audience was huge, and I want to get to that um, in, a, in a moment. They thought they were at a rally. So I actually scolded them. I had to scold them. I was stern. 
I said, wait a minute. This is the president of the United States. Uh, we're getting information we don't know. And, and you're going, oh, no, no, don't do that. This is a very serious thing. Now, I, I did get it under control. Um, and, it, and the next night in Orlando, it wasn't that way. But because there are 11,000 in the building in Fort Lauderdale, yeah. um, it's hard. You know, there, were, there were people who couldn't grasp the concept that this was one of the only times that Donald Trump had been asked serious questions about the world and the country because the corrupt media didn't want to hear any of this and still doesn't. As and that brings me to Newsweek. All right. So Newsweek, one of the most corrupt uh pieces of garbage in the country, runs a piece that says, oh, there were all these empty seats, and you know, and then it's immediately picked up by the Daily Beast, Huffington Post, all right, of this right. crap, all right? Here's, here's the timeline. 30,000 people have bought tickets to these four shows, and the Texas shows on Saturday and Sunday, Houston, Dallas, are still selling. 30,000 people in the middle of a pandemic, the show in Lauderdale grossed $2 million. And Newsweek puts out this garbage, this lie, on purpose to denigrate the show. And it gets picked up and distributed. Well, here, is here is a, here's, the thing that, here's the thing that I thought of, Bill, as I was leaving. Right. Before I heard any of that this morning, uh, when I was leaving the venue, I looked at my staff and said, name another president from either party. That could have sold at a hundred dollars a pop an interview with him uh, and sold that many tickets. I mean, I, I there's, there's no one in the world. No one could have done it. No one in the middle of a pandemic. Now, that's listen. There were people absolutely wanted to see the program, the show, but were afraid to go, particularly elderly people. All right. And I know that to be true. But. We are. It, it, this is probably the most successful political show of all time in the history. It of really. The it, it probably is. Uh, I mean, I, I saw the. I saw the Rolling Stones oh, at God. the at the Cotton Bowl here a couple of weeks ago, and there were a lot of unsold seats uh, there as well. But this was a good sized crowd. Let me ask you this: the um, the problem with the tickets, because this is what I heard that somebody had hacked in and made some of the tickets look like fraudulent. And so that caused some of the delay. People had to go to the will call. Was there, was there anything nefarious that was going on with that? I didn't, I didn't hear any of that uh, at all. The secret service had, you know, obviously when you've got that many people coming in, it, it slowed it down as far as people getting into the arena. Uh, and then there was you standing out there and yeah, that caused a riot and, yeah, and people wanted to get your autograph all by whatever. myself, all by okay. myself, kicking rocks in the parking lot, asking myself, <laughs> why the hell did I agree to do this for Bill? I just don't get <laughs> hey, it. You were a big hit, Beck. Yeah, that was right. good for you. Thanks a lot, Bill. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for uh, helping us out. Got, and we'll talk again later this week, I hope. You got it. Uh, in Houston at the Toyota Center, tickets are still available at toyotacenter.com. And uh, that is on the 18th, 19th in Dallas at the American Airlines Center, uh, ticketmaster.com. I will tell you this. Um, Donald Trump is in a really good place right now. Uh, I worried about 
that uh, because he wasn't in a really good place uh, just a few months ago. If you remember at the beginning of the year, not a good place. Uh, and he's in a really good place. And I'm going to share some of the things that I learned from him in our interview. I did a sit down with him about the future, uh, and that is going to air in January. But I want to play a couple of cuts uh, from that coming up in just a little while. The best of the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program. We welcome to the program in studio uh, Jedediah Bila, who is uh, the author of a book, Dear Hartley. Uh, she's also former co-host on The View and uh, is a is a Blaze alum. That's correct. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be in the free state of Texas. It uh-huh. feels good. It feels different. You live in New York still. I do. New I York do. City New York New City. York City. Yeah, I live what right outside Manhattan. I know. <laughs> well, my family's there, right? So yeah. I got out of Manhattan during COVID. Um, but it's it's time to leave. You know, I've said many times I have a child now. I have a son. He's two years old. And mm. I cannot fathom raising him in what has become of that city. You know, the crime is out of control when you walk around the city. I always say it feels like a city with no soul now. Everyone's oh, it walking had around. A soul. It has, it's empty. It's vacant now, New York City. There's a sense of everyone feels like they're afraid of each other. You know, you walk around being scared of everyone else. Everyone's masked. You need, you know, to show your uh, vax, you know, card to get in everywhere and anywhere. And it just feels, you know, New York used to be rebellious and edgy and artists used to flock there and creativity. And now it just seems dead inside. And, you know, mandates aside, I want my kid to be, courageous and free thinking and you know not it, that's that not there. the place for no, it anymore not gonna get that I, I tell you we we moved away kids were probably six and eight maybe uh five and seven and uh tanya said uh i said why 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 this city has everything everything take them to the <laughs> met take them you know we live across the street from the park let you know, go to the park she said you take them to the park Mm-hmm. Saturday, you take him to the park. And so I said, I will, I will, I'll take him to the park. And I went and these, this group of three girls must've been about seven years old, mm-hmm. all under the young monkey bars, dropping their pants and taking a crap under the monkey bars. Mm-hmm. And the parents, I'm looking around like, where are the parents of these kids? And the parents, the, the women um, started, were right next to me and they started laughing. And one of them went, you know, Jill is, Honey, don't do that. I've told you before. And they're all laughing. And I got the kids and I went back home and I said, we're moving. You were right. Mm -hmm. It's awful. Yeah. And what you see now is, you know, you're seeing the pre-Giuliani years reemerge where all of those safe neighborhoods. And I, I tweet about this a lot because people who don't live in New York and don't know New York look at the crime and look at what's being said. And they said, well, maybe these are always bad. No, these are these were once safe neighborhoods and it's just bleeding out now. So mm. into the whole city. I mean, you see people shooting up on the street. I mean, it's it's outrageous, really. You know, when I walk around with my kid, because sometimes I'll still go into Manhattan for appointments and whatnot, I don't even want him around, you know, around there. I don't I don't even want it like even holding his hand. I'm like, I don't even want this for him. There's nothing left there. And I it's hope happening. it comes back. It's Look, happening. I hope it comes back, Glenn. I want to believe 
that people want that city to come back. At, but it, it, it depends on the people. And if the people there want to be want to act like zombies and sheep, it's not going to happen. Well, I don't think you're ever going to get them to stop. I mean, well, I mean, uh, Mayor Adams, right? He's right. coming in. He looks like he might uh, be- believe in some law and order. But you have cities like this all over the country. Last Friday, over, I think it was a dozen cities, a dozen cities said they have broken their violence and homicide records of mm-hmm. all time. That's, that's what... And they're all democratically run woke cities. Of course. Right. Yeah, but but the problem is, is that people, my concern is actually the people who flee cities like that, because you flee those cities because you say, I don't want this for myself. I don't want this for my family. This has gone crazy. What happens when they relocate, though? Do those people then move to the Austin, Texas's of the world, to the Miamis, and then vote in the same types of people? Well, they are in Austin. Yeah, they well, are that's a huge problem because yeah. it, you have, I mean, I don't know what to do to wake up people in this country to say, if you are fleeing something, do something different, vote differently, talk differently about issues. Something needs to change. Don't go there and ruin that city and make it into the city you just left. Do something better. I don't know why I want to shake everyone. And I know I get crazy. You can already mm. see me getting no. animated. But really, it's a time to just reevaluate and look and say, maybe these are things that you once held dear, but it's not working. Look at what what's working. And if you have a family and you want them to feel safe and you want values to be protected, like prioritize those things and, and choose we, differently. We are truly in two different countries now. I never felt that about America, but we mm. are. I don't even understand the thinking of people with with um, uh, Rittenhouse, right. uh, what people said after the trial, watch the trial, um, mm. what, what happened with Jesse, uh, Jesse Smollett, you know, MSNBC didn't even report on that in primetime at all. Right. What, I mean, yeah, but I, but that creates two Americas, one where there are facts and one where there's this this fantasy fact. Yeah, you know, I talked a lot about media. I actually got into this business years ago. Um, I wasn't someone who grew up in a political family. Mm. I wasn't someone who worked in Washington, D.C. I didn't want to work in Washington, yeah, D.C. Yeah, but I was interested because I watched Sarah Palin. I didn't know who she was at the time. And she came on the scene and she was immediately attacked. You know, you had media that landed in Wasilla, Alaska, and decided they were going to do oppo research on mm-hmm. her. So I immediately said to myself, oh, I need to figure out what she's done right because she's angered all the right people. So let's let's look at her record. That was my first inkling that, you know, the media was very powerful and very destructive. And that went on. I think the, the second moment I had where I said to myself, wow, this is insanity was the Kavanaugh trial, the Kavanaugh hearings. Yeah. When you saw what happened there? I mean, this guy, they were destroying him. There was no evidence that he had done any of these None. things. And they made a decision that mm-hmm. they were going to make this about politics and the media gathered together and decided he was guilty. There was no evidence being presented. I mean, Christine Blasey Ford wasn't even, even the people that she said could corroborate her story weren't. Right. And I was sitting and saying, okay. And people walked away from that still believing that still he believing. was guilty same thing the new york Justice times Scott, is doubling thing. down on right. the russian collusion thing that's right it's there's no truth to that at all there's no truth to that it doesn't matter it doesn't matter though how do you survive that how do those people in the end survive well i think i think that what you're saying about 
two countries. There are people who care about facts. They're all over the country and they're sprouting up, not in mainstream media outlets, but in alternative media outlets. Mm-hmm. That's why you see them in podcasting. Mm-hmm. You see them on Substack. You see them all over Twitter saying, mm-hmm. wait a second, I'm not affiliated with corporate media, but I'm going to tell you the truth. And more and more people are flocking to that. I think the problem arises that you have you know, collusion here. You have big tech, which has a narrative. You have big media, which has a narrative. You have big politics right now, meaning Democrat politics. It's all the same narrative. And they've all, the all come together and decided we're going to make what's untrue true mm-hmm. at all costs. So it takes citizen journalists. It takes it really takes a lot of effort to decide, wait a second, let me ask questions. It takes issues that affect you and your family. That's why I think with these vaccine mandates, people started to say, well, wait a second. Yeah. This doesn't make sense. I think but the it's economy hard. Is the it's same hard way. work. Yeah. And I think those people regain their name because they go on shows like yours and they go on these podcasts and they get their voice out there and people start to say, I'm being manipulated by the media. This is this is a game and I'm being played. So see the game or be played by the game. Would you agree that Joy Behar is the meanest woman alive? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I worked with her for a long time and she she was she was nice offset. I don't know. Did you have any experience personally with her? Or? Oh, zero. Okay, so nice I, I, no, offset. I, I mean, I was on the show. Okay. But and she was vicious to you on onset. and off. Oh, air. really? Oh, yeah. During the commercials. She would continue to dig at me. You're a really? despicable person. Really? <laughs> I was like, wow. So what I've discovered about people in general and left wing media is that they like you if they think they can control you. And the second they realize yes. that you can't be pushed around or you're not yes. going to be a meme. You're not going to be the conservative who right. comes on and loves mandates. Right. Or the conservative who comes on and the reason you're invited on is because you hate, you're a never Trumper. Right. I mean, the guy could like, you know, have a conversation with Jesus and reveal something amazing <laughs> about, and no, you, you hate him anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's your, then you're right. welcome into the club, right. you know. But if you're not that and you're someone who, stands up, who stands firm, then you instantly become the enemy. And that's where the nastiness comes out. I think across the board, you know, I I always remember whenever I would, you know, say something that someone on the left liked, I would be very hesitant to, you know, take that praise because I know what's I know where it's headed. And you know, you know, what's what's horrible is we have created a situation to where a lot of people don't want to say good things about the other side because they know it will be taken by somebody and exploited. And so you, you, you can't, you can't even have conversations with people, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, in, in, in open air because somebody will either hear it and say, you're a sellout or somebody else will hear it and say, you know, uh, Uh, look, they're finally on our side. And it's like, I don't have a side. I have the truth. That's my side. So I think that's a really important point that you're making right now. And you use the word conversation. And that's something that has really ceased to exist in many circles. It's not, that's why I got into the business originally. I said, great, I want to have a conversation with people who see the world differently, who with people who see the world similarly. Let's figure it out. Let's sit down and figure Mm -hmm. it out. That is not the priority now. Now the priority is not having that conversation. It's you're either with me or you're against me. People don't listen. I mean, you couldn't even sit and, and, and do this, really. It's talking point driven. It's time constraints. It's Democrat, Republican, go fight. Oh, we got our clip. Great. End of story. 
it's it's boring and it's also useless. It is. So um, and even on shows like The View, which I did, you know, that used to be a space where I felt like diversity of thought, even though it was just one seat, truthfully, that brought a different opinion, that one seat had a voice. And increasingly, I'm seeing that that's not the case. No, that it, it, they, it's, destroy, that's they destroy that seat. Destroy I know. Them. I know. And it's sad to me because if the goal here is as a country to do better, then you have to you have to talk. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to sit. And you mm-hmm. and I, I'm sure, agree a lot on policy, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there's stuff that we don't agree on. Of course there is. Because we're thinking people. We're free thinking mm-hmm. people, which mm-hmm. also is a, a thing that has ceased to exist in media. But we could sit and have a conversation. That's that's really happening in very, very few places. Is is this the first time you've been to the Blaze headquarters since yes. New York? Yes, I was. I, I've never been here at all, actually. Yeah. Um, in fact, when I um, it's a got little different hired, than the little basement we had in New York. It's so cool. Yeah. I feel like I'm on. And it's funny. I grew up on a performing arts, uh, arts house. And my mom uh, taught acting. So I oh, walk wow. in here and I'm like, I feel like I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's a really cool place. It's very cool. Really cool. Um, yeah. And I know you were trying to do that. Listen, we had real news back in the day. It was like Which 12 years ago. Was the best show I think the Blaze has ever produced. And smart. Uh, so smart. I got smarter on so that smart. show. Yeah, me I too. I did. I got smarter me by too. being on that it show. It was a brilliant, brilliant show. Yeah, it seems like everybody who was on that show went on to really big things after it. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, they all left us to do it, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Which is smart. Which is <laughs> great. I mean, I love the fact that I can watch things and go, oh, yeah. Right. She started there. He started yeah. there. He started there. I just did a segment with Buck the other day, and we talk about it all the time. Um, and you had just left. I when I started at Real News, they were. I was like, "Oh, great! Where's Glenn?" And they were like, "Glenn's gone." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like "Hold up! You were here yeah. setting up this, you know, yeah, yeah, beautiful yeah. space." Yeah. Um, but it started. Real News was when I got in. I was like, "Okay, we're having a conversation," yeah. and I quickly realized in media that that's just not what's desired most no, of the time no. and and if you're a free thinking person you kind of don't know you're like where where do i fit you know well i hope that uh you decide to move down to texas and i hope we see more of you yes All sounds right. great jedediah bila uh, bila she is the author of dear hartley and uh she's formerly here at the blaze and also the view na, na, na.